This time loop thing. How did you get out of it? Oh, I simply boosted the circuits and broke free. You came back of your own accord? Well, I... Doctor? No. No, I'm afraid not. Now, obviously, the Time Lords have programmed the TARDIS always to return to Earth. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo. Welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions with the world and I have to deal with them. I'm your host, Molly Marsh, and I'm just walking home in the rain, uh, which is obviously great. Um, It's less than a week now till my show that I keep uh, mentioning in these intros. It's happening on Sunday night, 1st of December, Apple Cart Cart Arts, East London. Link in the description. Please come if you like poems about poo. Um, anyway, this week on the podcast, um, I met up with Emma Reeves. Now, we were supposed to be using the, um, the pub that I record podcasts in regularly, uh, but when I got there, um, the room that I use uh, was being used for a function. So I said to Emma, look, do you mind coming to my flat? And thankfully, she did not mind. So we could record it at my flat, which was lovely. Um... I made a cup of tea for Emma, and I never drink tea, uh, so that was the first challenge of the podcast. Um, I had to steal some sugar from my flatmate Lily. Thanks, Lily, for the sugar. Um, it was great to talk to Emma. When we were emailing back and forth um, about recording uh, the episode, um, the, the main unpopular opinion that Emma wanted to discuss was something that, well, was a version of something that when I first started to make the podcast, I decided I would never kind of field opinions about, um, just out of a matter of principle, really, um, you know, to do with the doctor's uh, gender and, and such. But, you know, when we talked about it a little bit more over email, it became clear that we both agreed and that this was not a discussion that we could just throw away and not have. So we had the discussion and I hope, um, I hope the sentiment of it is clear when you, when you listen. Um, that our heart is in the right place um, and we're talking about it for the right reasons. Um, I won't say much more about it than that. Um, I suppose just listen and see what you think. Um, We also talked a little bit about um, how it would be nice to have um, companions who are more realistically um, represented in terms of size um, in the TARDIS. That was nice. And I also asked Emma a little bit about her life in Doctor Who, as I always do. Oh, and... Halfway through the podcast, halfway through recording, um, the trailer dropped. So Emma and I watched that as well. And you get to hear a spattering of our thoughts, although we don't talk over it much because we are basically captivated by it because it was so brilliant. Um, But anyway, without further ado, I'm sure you're dying to hear all of that. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Emma Reeves. Great, so... So I'm here with Emma Reeves. Hi. Uh, hi, uh, writer, um, who is sitting uh, with me uh, in my flat because the pub we were going to use uh, had a function on, so we, we had to abandon um, that plan. Also, the trailer for Series 12 is coming at 3, so Very we're going to we're gonna drop everything <laughs> at that point <laughs> yes. and watch it. Um, so that's that's exciting. Um, but yeah, Emma, thanks uh, thanks for joining me. Thank, thank you very much for asking me. It's really exciting to be here. Yeah, so I, I um, first kind of became aware of you uh, about a month ago at the at the uh, um, the Comic Con where you were talking with um, Paul Cornell and with um, Katie Manning and others about um, Terence Dix um, on the sort of obituary uh, panel. Yes, I mean I was I was really um, very very honoured to be invited yeah. to to do that. I'd, I've never actually met. 
Terence Dix. And I, th I think they wanted a mixture of people because obviously they had some... Uh, Paul, Paul was a very close personal friend mm -hmm. of his and mm -hmm. uh, obviously Matthew had met him many times and um, mm -hmm. Katie, mm -hmm. I think, was also a, obviously a very, very long-standing colleague sure, and, sure. and personal friend. Um, and uh, I, had, I, I think I was there to sort of speak from the perspective of somebody who just knew him through his works and, uh -huh. and his books. Mm -hmm. um, Which I suppose is how most of the people listening will will have known him as well. So it, it would have been good to have that kind of perspective there. Yes, and, and I think it's sort of, you know, it's interesting sort of growing up um, in the 80s, um, sort of, you know, being the sort of Doctor Who fan, but kind of on my own, I was never anything to do with um, organised fandom. And mm. I think I mm. always sort of, whenever, whenever I encountered organised fandom, I think like a lot of people, I would sort of feel, oh, am I really a proper fan? Because of course, um, I feel that I'd, um, although I'd, although I'd watched Doctor Who on the television since sort of the late Tom Baker, mm -hmm. um, I think it was really the Target books, and obviously, so therefore, I know a lot of Terence's work that had, that had brought me to the show. And of sure, course, sure. you know, obviously, it took a. I can't believe I was so stupid. It took me a, a long time to realise that because most people, you know, until UK Gold started showing them, and you know, most people. Um, didn't have video, and, and very, very few stories were commercially available on video. Mm, mm. Um, most that was, of course, the target books were most uh, were were most people's first experience of of a vast majority of the stories. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, because you, you now you, it's not like nowadays. I mean, this is something we've gone over time and time again on the podcast, but it's not like nowadays where you can just kind of watch any story you want to watch at any time unless it's been, uh, you know, destroyed by the BBC in the <laughs> in the seventies <70s laughs> or eighties. Um, whereas, yeah, whereas then th these novelizations, many of which were written by Terence, were huge. Yes, you know? they, they they were, and they they were the way to um to 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 to, to live a story and reenact it. And, you know, and, a lo and lots of people have sort of spoken of being slightly disappointed by a story when they actually saw it for the first yeah. time. <laughs> and uh, you know, I've got um I've I've got a such a soft spot for so many of this of the stories, and uh, I think the way that the um. They could, s and of course, because obviously some t Terence had often worked on them himself, either they were his stories mm. or he'd been the script editor at the time. So um, he could sort of smooth out various story problems, fill in, fill in backgrounds for, um, uh, for, for minor characters, really sort of make, make everything feel like it was very much part of a, d a deeper, richer, more coherent sure. story world. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there, there was lots of talk on that panel about his ability um, to, to write so efficiently, but in such a rich way, but I think yes. it's tempting mm. to describe Terence as a as a efficient writer, but that I think that's kind of doing him a disservice in a lot of ways. Uh, definitely, I mean, I think you know, as I as I said on the panel, I think he was he very much sort of presented himself as a as a kind of you know a hack. I'm just a sort of journeyman mm. TV writer. Mm. I I get the job done. You know, call for Uncle Terence, he'll sort it out. <laughs> and I think. You know, um, I th think a lot of people think there's a lot, sort of, some false modesty in that. But I, th I think it's, I think it's rather charming. But you know, he did, you know, I, I don't know what obviously what he was like to work with. But mm. his sort of public face and his sort of, you know, he wasn't particularly precious. He wasn't particularly artsy fartsy about mm. it. And I, th and I think obviously, obviously, some fans, you know, so <laughs> including me, sometimes who who want to take everything very, very deeply seriously, mm. Mm. get mm. frustrated by that and sort of think, no, it is serious art. Don't dismiss it. But I think, you yeah. know, I think I think it was a very British way of I think he sort of we wore his talent lightly. I think he, mm. you know, he took. I think, you know, he nobody would have done um, such long service on a show as he did unless he he did love the show and took it very very seriously and you know he created you know created a lot of the sort of the the the, the central text of our religion such yeah, as yeah, never cr yeah. never cruel nor never cruel or cowardly yeah, so i think yeah. you know he wouldn't have spent his life doing this unless he did take it very seriously but um certainly the way he presented himself in public he didn't take himself terribly seriously which is quite nice yeah no i think i think when when something is so important to you and you and you want to do it really well, I think it's important not in in a lot of ways not to take it seriously. Yes, <laughs> you know I think that I think that's a, a mistake a lot. But is it is it informed the kind of work you've done as a now you're a writer as an adult, kind of having read Terence's stuff as a child? I I, th I think so. I think so definitely. And I and I and I think you know he opened up a whole um, world. Um, and I and I I, th I think sort of my my writing has obviously been influenced by Doctor Who. And I think also my sort of um, but I think also sort of reading lots of behind the scenes things and stories, I think um, my sort of perception of what it's like to be a TV writer has also been mm, um, mm. influenced by that. And I think sometimes it's sort of, 
gets you through the sorts of tough times when you sort of think, well, look, even Robert Holmes and Terence Dix had huge rows about things. Yeah. Yeah. And also bad days, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has bad days and, you know, and, 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 you know, everybody, everybody has their stories that, that aren't considered so great. And, Mm, and, mm. and then of course, everybody has their stories that people go absolutely wild for. And, um, uh, right, the writers are quite often like, really, that one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, well, Brain of Morbius, I think. Yeah, rarely. <laughs> Robin Bland's famous work. Rarely <laughs> does it correlate, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's rewind a little bit then and think about um, kind of what was your what was your first memory of of Doctor Who overall? Do you remember? I well, I sort of. Ca- I mean, I think I've. Um, uh, it, it's quite funny because I I actually said this on. On, on another podcast, uh, mm. just about mm. when I was growing up, you know, I was born in 1974, the, the year Tom Baker became the doctor. Mm-hmm. And so sort of all my early childhood, I was just sort of aware, because of course the show was was so huge at the time, you know, three yeah, channels, yeah. occasional strikes. So, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. you know, um, so this was obviously the, you know, the era probably around you know, City of Death type thing. Mm, it's, mm. Um, and um, so, but I just remember sort of Tom, the image of Tom Baker was everywhere. I remember going to the Blackpool Illuminations and um, there being sort of Doctor Who themed lights and um, Blackpool Tower having um, a, a sort of Doctor Who exhibit uh, or, or Doctor Who ride of some sort. I think there was a right. Dalek you could ride in maybe. And I've got a vague memory of a door shaped like a TARDIS. Mm. So it was just, it was, it was in the zeitgeist. It was just, it was just a huge, just the Tom Baker years. He was such a huge part of right, culture. Yeah. And I was saying, anyway, as I said on the podcast, I remember my mum and dad going to a fancy, because they weren't particularly, they're certainly not sci-fi people, but I remember them going to a fancy dress party dressed as the Doctor and K-9. And um, <laughs> yeah. and, a, and an old friend from Wrexham left your, the gas. Was your mum K-9? <laughs> my my mum was K-9 <laughs> in a, a silver, she had a silver um, K-9 outfit made out of um, um, cardboard boxes sprayed silver, which of course it being the 70s, she'd made herself. You couldn't order it no, in Amazon no, these days. No, of course not. So yeah, yeah, it was yeah. proper cosplaying actually, looking wow. back, quite impressed. And um, so, so we had this... Um, I remember this silver sprayed canine being, you know, being in the garage for, you know, it's sort of, you know, I don't know how it was probably only there a few weeks, but it sort of feels like, you know, years in childhood. But anyway, um, Leslie Gaskell um, thinks that it, who got, got in touch saying she thinks that it was her parents party and she remembers it too. So clearly, uh, no way. clearly <laughs> it happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. I think that that sort of um, like you talk about the Dalek you could ride in a Blackpool uh, tower or whatever. I think that that iconography weirdly never went away. I like think that's true. Even yeah. when the show was off air, it was like I remember on on CBBC in about oh God, it must have been about two thousand and three. So like before there was any talk of Doctor Who being back on the television again. I remember that they used to have these little idents on CBBC oh that yeah. were like the green blobs. Do you remember this? Like yes, splitting yes. Off. And there was one that became a Dalek. Oh, and, cool. And bobbed around the screen. And I remember as a child, because I, I knew about Doctor Who, but other kids didn't. Yeah. I'd be like, oh my God, it's a Dalek. <laughs> and I was like, that's so weird. And I remember kind of in, in my weird way thinking, oh, but other kids won't get that. What are they <laughs> going for there? What's the, what's, what are they thinking? Yeah, that but, is um, interesting. It's the idea that kids will... And it's funny, there's something about the shape of the Daleks and the TARDIS that, um, you know, very, very young kids who sort of, you know, who I haven't had the chance to indoctrinate, if they might sort of... Mm. They come around my house and they see a Dalek yeah, or Davros yeah. or the TARDIS and they're just drawn to it. I think I think the da- Daleks more than the TARDIS, obviously, I think just uh-huh, something about uh-huh. the shape of a Dalek just entices kids. But Because, of course, I was saying I was growing up in Wrexham. So mm-hmm. during the wilderness years, um, just down the road was Llangollen where there used to be a big Doctor Who museum. So we had... Um, so, so we had a um, a Dalek um, road sign with, with, with like an official oh, cool. official road sign That's with really a picture cool. of a Dalek on it. <laughs> that was a local attraction. So, <laughs> I think we're we're very sad when that went away. Sort of. So yeah. So all but yes, all the years Doctor Who wasn't on TV, there was um, uh, just a Dalek pointing you in the direction, and obviously it seemed ev- if you you'll you'll know what you're looking for. You know what you're looking for if you see that. That's really funny. I was in um, Stoke a few weeks ago. And they had one at, at like Stoke Museum. They had a Dalek donated oh, cool. by some charity or other in the foyer, and it was one of the worst put together Daleks <laughs> I've ever <laughs> no. seen. But I love that sort of thing. Like I love like bad, badly put yeah. together <laughs> fan Daleks. I think it's great. You didn't want to sort of go and start sprucing it up. No, not at all. I felt I felt fond of it. You know, like it's the the weird kid in class. That <laughs> I like that about it. Um, great. And then obviously later, you've you've kind of got to write in various ways for Doctor Who, kind of on the on the on the big finish side of things and. Kind of, how did that come about, and and how, um, 
what was that experience like as somebody who's been a fan of Doctor Who for so long? Well, I mean, I was I was very lucky, and um, mm-hmm. but I think um, um, Big Finish. I mean, it's about it was only about four or five years ago, and I think you know, to be to be really honest, I think I was a bit of a diversity hire i think they were very much looking to increase their sort of quota of writers sure, i think i'm uh, sure. sorry of female writers i uh-huh. think you know they're, they're absolutely you know the, the big three una mccormack jack rayner and um and um jenny colgan but mm, um, mm. i think they're i mean obviously and, and there were, and there were other, of course there were other female writers at the time but i think they didn't have that many and they were launching the torchwood range and i think james goss was very keen to get some female voices and uh, yeah, yeah. and um I <laughs> I went to university with James Goss but he knew from those days that I was a fan so I think he thought who do I know who's a writer who do I know right. who's a woman who do I know who likes Doctor Who so um so I was so I was invited to to that one and I, and I have to say you no know, since since those days four or five years ago I think big finishers um in terms of, of gen- you know, I know it's worked really hard on gender balance it's also working hard on other types of diversity yeah. and I think it has done really really well since those days doesn't yeah. need me anymore <laughs> i think i think i think it's done well i don't i still don't quite think they're there yet personally but i i think it's because i think it's a it's just the sheer amount of stuff they put out you yes. know they and they know who their reliable guys are in a way i think that's why there's that temptation to pe- keep going back to the same people because yeah uh, because of the the need to have things done quickly. Exactly, and you know, sometimes, and you know, and I, and I sort of understand it from from the other side as well, because of being um, a lead writer and on various um, children's TV things I've done. Sometimes you need people who can get the job done and get it jun- done quickly. For and sure. I think, yeah. And I think you know, one of the problems that I had with Big Finish was um, just getting over the the awe of um, uh, you know, and I sort of I, I started um, with Torchwoods, and and that was you know still. You know, and it's an incredible responsibility. And you know, when I sort of, you know, I was laughing about being a bit a bit of a diversity hire, but I think you know James was quite sort of upfront about that. But then, of course, you have the fear of like, one, am I not really up to this? And two, I've got to do this for all women, which is which yeah. is quite intimidating. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. So, um, I mean, and that's why I was saying it's that like, luckily, and certainly in the torture race, I have a lot of female writers now. So it's sort of so it's not that thing anymore. But I mean, you know, I think I was late with every script I did for big finish and it wasn't because I didn't care it was because I cared too much yeah. and um and so I think you know as a fan approaching it and it's interesting because of course historically there have been times in Doctor Who history where um where they deliberately did not w- you know where fan writers were looked down on they mm, didn't particularly mm. want fans and uh, you know and I certainly see that sort of being a fan can you know can can get in your way if you're actually just getting intimidated by the thing you're trying to write yeah yeah, definitely, definitely. Although in recent years, I mean, everybody seems to be a fan. Well, that's true, yes. Yeah. <laughs> telly and otherwise, but um, yeah, it's never the only thing they are, though. And I think that's, no. that's what's important, um, I, uh, I, I suppose. Great. Um, what was I going to touch on next? I was going to touch on Demon Headmaster. Oh, yes. Because um, that's on telly at the moment. And I, I, I have to say I haven't been keeping up with it because I don't watch a lot of television. Yes, fair <laughs> I enough. basically <laughs> just watch Doctor Who. Um, but I, I caught up in a little bit of this morning and it's so great. Oh, thank you. Um, and Kath was like, oh, is this the Sarah Jane Adventures? Oh, when really? When she came into the room, I got That's a great compliment. And, well, I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, it's not. But it has a, a similar vibe to it, if you don't mind me saying. Oh, no, uh, that's and, that's, uh, that, that's perfect. That's exactly what we were I, trying yeah, to Yeah, I really for. saw what she meant by that um, uh, when she came in and, and, and asked. But yeah, what's that experience going to be like write, uh, writing for that and, and well, writing being the head writer on that. Yeah, I mean, again, that's sort of, um, I was you know, really privileged to have to have been able to do that. Um, I mean, I've it's sort of, it's sort of slightly less intimidating because I've been doing sort of children's TV and particularly half hour drama for CBBC for so, for so long now that, um, you know, I'm sort of, I'm like, you know, like, like the guys on in Big Finish that you were talking about that I can just sort of, you know, and I like to think I know what I'm doing in, in that area. But um, bringing back such an iconic character was just so exciting and uh, we 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 had um Gillian wrote a new book in 2017 because right, it was okay. based originally on some books which were published in the 80s uh-huh. in which she was only actually a headmaster for the first book and then there are about six more but with uh-huh. the same kids and so she wrote a new book in 2017 where he's now the head of an academy school and terrorizes a whole new <laughs> generation of right, kids right right so is it kind of loosely based on that it's loosely book based on that right. book um i mean the 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 length of one of Gillian's books because i think they're in in a way i think the books are 
sort of because they're you know they're designed to be i, I mean ch teachers read them in class i think with sort of years four five six right um they're sort of designed for kids to read on their own so i think they're sort of aimed at a slightly younger age group than than i think we've gone for with the show i think the show has mm. i mean the show's partly aged up for for practical reasons that we um are because of sort of um licensing laws of of filming with with young actors children, um yeah. we we um we sort of aged up we had to age up the kids of it mm, mm. um and i think but the show's also a bit darker but yes but one of jillian's books um last would have lasted yeah. for maybe two or three episodes and we had 10 so we sort of so, okay. so so we sort of introduced quite a lot of um um new subplots and themes and um jillian's been re really cool with us sort of let you know let, letting us go along with it and we also sort of tied in the 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 new books to the old books which i think she's quite happy with because she hadn't actually done that she'd just sort of um you it's know more just of a floating continuity kind of thing yes right right yeah i think i think it's good to um age stuff up a little bit as, uh, as well just on the terms of the fact that i think children children like watching characters that are slightly older than them i think yes. kids don't uh, kids don't really want to watch kids that are exactly their age or younger i think that i think you're always aspirational as a child i think it's very true and i think particularly younger i think sort of yeah you know I, I, and, I, and i sort of i seem to remember i seem to remember that as a child actually sort of um mm -hmm. you know um when you sort of get to the age of sort of read, you know, if if a new book's come out and it's great, but it's about a child slightly younger than you, you sort of feel a bit embarrassed reading yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you you know if you're if you're eight, you wouldn't be reading books about ten year olds. No, you know, no, exactly. You, you wouldn't be if you're if you're ten, you wouldn't be reading books about twelve year olds. You want that kind yes. of little bit of aspiration there. I think that's really true. Um, so yeah, so that's that's always good. Um, but yeah, should we should we move on to unpopular opinions? Oh, so okay. Just because we've got so much to um to get through you sent me the the best roster of unpopular opinions <laughs> that i've ever uh seen so i thought <laughs> like we may as well from get minor slightly in. controversial to cancel me now yeah. <laughs> yes. they were so broad as well i was like oh my god it's the first time i sit there i was I sat there going wow i don't know which of these <laughs> to kind of delve into um but that's really good that's a really good thing um I'll right. hopefully pick something that won't get either of us cancelled. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, I say this to everybody. My audience are very nice, good, uh, very uh, accommodating, so they will not, uh, they will not cancel you. You can't see me, can you? You, you look at me and you, you can't see me. Do you have an idea what that's like? I'm not on the phone. I'm right here, standing in front of you. Please just, just see me. Great. So we went back and forth, didn't we? I mean, deciding yes, whether this was was too uh, edgy, yes. uh, even is for this Galaxy, too you know. unpopular? Uh, <laughs> is, the is the question. But no, I I kind of asked you for I asked you for more information, which I never do. Um, and when you gave it me, I was like, oh my god, I agree with everything that you're saying. So I just had to I had to um, do it. So. Do yeah. share. Thank you. Well, um, uh, okay, I, 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 c I can feel the cancellation in the air, but um, uh, my unpopular opinion is that the casting of the 13th Doctor as a woman unfortunately represents something of a a wasted opportunity. <laughs> I, I think we um, agreed the, the um, saying was. Now, I am all for there being a f female Doctor, or rather, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I was never against there, there being a female Doctor. I sort of think... I always think the doctor sh should be and must be a woman one day. Um, I think what sort of disappointed me, and uh, uh, sort of, and I think perhaps around the the circumstances of having um, the first ever female doctor at, as far as we know, at this point in time, and with this team, um, and I felt like the decision to you know as far as we know and of course you know just but whatever missy may have said about about little girls and we never right, know right, how much right. we trust missy <laughs> as far as as far as we know the doctor has not had the experience of being in a female body before and we and has not necessarily and has not sort of seen how that body is reacted to by humans and mm, the, uh, mm. and however much Gall Gallifrey may have been retconned to be a kind of gender blind society we know that sort of human society isn't and um so I sort of felt that the, the, the program sort of decision to sort of have um, the doctor be a woman, but then it's very much, it ain't no thing. Um, I felt 
a bit disappointed. And um, I think with because with Doctor Who, I used to try and suppress any sort of thoughts of disappointment because you're because you know there there was always there's there's as people have said, it's an, an anthology show. There's always that well there'll be something you don't like that there'll be something new along in a minute. Mm. But I feel mm. like that moment in history can never come again. The Doctor's being a woman for the first time, she can never be a woman for the first time ever again. No, even if you even if you rebooted Doctor Who, mm. it still wouldn't be the first time because it out in you know. In our realm, it would yeah. still it would still not be the first time. So yeah, you're right. You can't go back on that. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with you, and I definitely, throughout series eleven, kept waiting for more references to it. And I they, did too. And they never came, and people people chastise me for that and mm. say, "Oh well, why does it need to be a big deal? Why do they have to dwell on it?" What would and you say to those people? Well, that's why it's an unpopular opinion, and that's yeah. why we're both so hesitate to put it because because people are saying, "Why can't she just be a woman?" end of nobody needs mm. to talk about it. and of course you know having rewatched it of course there are a few references notably in the witch finders and demon of the punjab sort of demons yeah, of the punjab yeah, yeah. but um but i think i i i think the um the argument of it's not a thing why can't they just be a woman and have no reference to it um it's sort of the argument of it's kind of the argument of the dominant group or mm. the sort of the mm. argument of somebody who hasn't had the experience of feeling excluded on behalf of gender or feeling people people um you know they uh, pe pe you know people sort of if 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 you've never sort of had the experience of of feeling like oh there's things I'd like to do or I wish people would react to me differently but they're reacting to me in a certain way because of my gender mm. if mm. you've never had that experience then you might think well great why can't just be a woman it ain't no thing but i think um, I would just have. I would have been more interested in explore. I think there's drama and comedy to be had um, in the Doctor, and I also felt that the Doctor's behaviour was subconsciously, perhaps by the writers, modified to reflect the fact that she's now a woman. And yeah, um, I well, I I don't actually for a second think that that Chris and the other writers thought, okay, w she's a woman now, so let's make her more passive. I think no. I think that was his plan anyway. Yes. And he's and he's gone. Okay, well, why not just do what I was gonna do? But it's a woman now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I actually think, like you say, it's a consideration. He should have gone. Oh, hang on a minute. You've got to step back from it and go. Oh wait, does this work? Is this what I should be doing? Do you know? If he'd cast Chris Marshall mm. and with this personality, I'd be like, great. Yeah, I think that's true. And, and people keep people keep um, comparing the thirteenth to the fifth. But I think actually looking back on the fifth. Um, he's a lot, you know, and when, when the season 19 trailer came out um, a few years, uh, about around the time that um, Jodie was um, mm, mm. announced, I was thinking, actually, the, the fifth can be quite a bit more strident than you remember yeah, a, yeah, a lot of the time. Definitely. And so I think, yes, this sort of, this gentle, passive, often apologetic doctor who's sort of, um, you know, and, and who doesn't really, um, you know, if you look back to, say, um, series, one of the new series, Christopher Eccleston and... Um, Billy Piper and the sort of you know the the Ro Doctor and Rose had real fierce fights and um you know this and this Doctor is yeah, quite yeah. this Doctor is very nice to her companions. There's no sort of there's no the conflict in the TARDIS. Yeah, the only the only the only yeah. sort of personal drama is between Graham and Ryan and um you know that sort of and, and even that sort of you know fairly nice. So there's mm, no mm. there's no interpersonal and of course you know interpersonal conflict between the Doctor and companions can be awful, but it but it can but you know it there there are sort of various times when it's not been helpful but i think yeah but i think sort of the doctor just and i think it's uh, and i think i think you agree I, it's I, I don't think anybody for a minute thought this is a female character let's make a passive but i think they've they've gone with this quite gentle character unfortunately they also cast the first woman ever which is yeah, which yeah, is the issue yeah. it's just of you know if because uh, because i think it's really interestingly a lot of um a lot of my non-fan friends reactions to it is like what has there never been one? I thought there was one in the seventies because, of course, it's been being teased since the seventies. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of non-fans just believed actually that there had been. So it's um, but of course we know there yeah. hasn't. Yeah, and you do get a it's frustrating because you do. I don't know about you, but uh, when people find out you're a Doctor Who fan, you get asked, um, oh, what do you think of the new, the new female Doctor? Yeah. So it is a thing, and. Uh, and but it but to the characters in Doctor Who, it's not a thing. Mm. Um, and ma yeah, maybe this is where we link it to one of the other things you were yeah. you were kind of emailing me about, which is uh, which is when a change of showrunner happens, 
there always tends to be a clean slate. And you were saying yeah. to me that doesn't necessarily... Yes, do th do, does, does there have to be? And, uh, and it's, it's interesting that something that Chris Chibnall said uh, recently when talking about the um, Series 12 was mm. um, he said um, that that our first year was a recruitment year and we're sort of getting things in place and, right, and starting right. off. And I think, well, actually, that does make sense. And uh -huh, looking uh -huh. at Series 11 in that context makes a lot of sense. But of course, it didn't necessarily have to be. Why did it need to be like that? And, and in con context of uh, the, the gender change, mm. if we'd had Bill there... See, I think that would have been brilliant. Oh I mean, I think word, that's what no? I'd like to see. And I think, you know, and so I feel just very slightly cheated as a fan that we don't have, we didn't have anybody, um, ar anyone around. So, so you know, as you were saying, Molly, the nobody in the show reacts to the Doctor changing into a woman. Well, I mean, of course, they don't know that she's, ch so it's not a thing. But I think, you know, if you're going to have the first ever woman, I think it would be great to have a continuing companion and Bill was brilliant. I loved Bill. I felt she was just getting started. Yeah, I would yeah. have loved to have had Bill around for another year and to see, and to see her react. Mm, mm. And and also a, a, a female figure in in the Doctor's life like Bill who can say, oh, the kind of like, oh, this is what it's like. Like, well, yes. welcome yes. to womanhood. <laughs> yes. Like th these are the things you know. Mm. Uh, I think that would have been a, a, a incredible because then we, we've got, the audience has got Bill yes. as their identification figure in and this and journey we're having. And I think it, um, I think the patriarchy gets, because of course we had a lot of stories either on contemporary Earth this year or or historical Earth mm, or, mm. Um, or in sort of future sort of societies which clearly sort of felt as if they were sort of Earth colonies or sort mm, of, you know, would mm. come from an earthly culture. So you sort of felt okay. you're very much around humans and our earthly attitudes mm. and um you know let us uh, yes, so letting letting the patriarchy off easy by not sort of by uh, letting the doctor be this sort of slightly more gentle apologetic character and i sort of wanted to see her being as um as boastful as flamboyant as bombastic as as arrogant as um you know as any of her male predecessors could have been and then just see how that goes down for her and then see her <laughs> bewilderment and have bill going yeah you see, Doctor. Yeah, yeah. You see, I just this is all <laughs> yeah. I want, and this is, and it's not, you know, because because a lot of the time you can go, well, I'd like to see this and this and this, and people are like, well, write it yourself one day, then or something, or or you know, or, or maybe someone will write it for you. But with this, it's like we can never see that. We will never, never we will ever never see ever see that now. That's the so earth has true. been scorched. So that's why that's why my it's my unpopular opinion. Yeah, it, I mean, you're you're right that those scenes those scenes can ha can never happen but again those scenes would have been such a fine line to tread as well because yes. when you talk about you know maybe the humor that could have been derived from yeah. it you don't want to go too far with that no and um, and, and i mean and, and i can yeah and you know and i can obviously say, and, uh, you know as I, as I think i said to you, you know doctor who if you're making such a huge show as doctor you've got pressure from everywhere you've got pressure from below from the fans you've got pressure from above from the bbc you've mm -hmm, got mm -hmm. sideways pressure all the licensees all the people in the extended world so i know that um i can completely understand why the decision was made to not go there i think and uh, and i can see why people sort of breathe a sigh of relief going okay she's just going to be a woman we're not going to confront the patriarchy. It's just not going to be a thing. She's just yeah. a, a woman now. Everyone's fine with that, and let's get over it. Um, I can see why that decision was made. I you're not ruffling any feathers, are you? No. Not you know, because you're, you're not. You're crucially not doing a, a Stephen Moffat. Oh, new boobs, kind of, uh, <laughs> yeah, no. which would inevitably have been his approach. Stephen, that would have been Stephen. And Morris you know, I'm approach. not, I'm not casting any aspersions. <laughs> I think that's a, that's an approach you can take, but I think it would not have been as popular an approach as no. the one Chibnall's taken. No, and I and I certainly, I I, I, I certainly wouldn't have appreciated a sort of carry on approach to it yeah. all. Or well, maybe we've I seen that in <laughs> the Curse of Fatal Death. That's very, with that's Joanna very Lumley. true. Of course, we have. Uh, we've seen Stephen Moffat writing that first female yes. Doctor scene. Yes. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> So so maybe uh, may maybe that was best avoided. But I think um, what what I would have liked uh, to have said. I, I think it's just a few more assumptions challenged. Mm, like when mm. she's because I thought she looked absolutely fantastic in Capaldi's clothes. Oh wow! And, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and then she's like, oh, I'd better go and buy some female clothes. It's a long time since I bought female clothes. So obviously, you know, ha has she bought them for herself? Has she bought them for somebody else? We don't know. Sure. But it's sort of like the way that it's just such a blithe assumption and that now we'll have a sort of trying on montage. It's sort of like, I'd have liked it to more sort of, I, I felt like somebody else should have said, are you going to get some woman's, or let's go shopping? Or I don't know, is it something the doctor, uh, to be fair though, it is something the doctor usually thinks about 
after 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 he sorted out the alien invasion, she and in this case, yeah, um, yeah. post regeneration, it usually is then time to go and choose an outfit. That's very true. But I think just like the un- unspoken sort of, oh, I better get female clothes. I just, I just felt that there would be more, a bit more questioning about this. It just like these, a lot of. I just sort of feel like if you've lived, if you presented as male for, I mean, literally millennia, possibly billions sure, of years, if we sure. count heaven sent. Um, <laughs> You know, that uh, wouldn't you be sort of questioning? Do I? What do I do? How do I do what this? What do I and do was, now? And it was all a bit easy for her. Yeah, it's I a, felt it's tricky because this is then playing into the question of, so when the doctor, when the doctor changes or when the doctor regenerates, how much do they know themselves? Do mm. you know what I mean? So uh, the approach seemed to be okay. The doctor now knows and understands what it's like yeah. because they sort of come with this fully. Like fit for purpose personality. Yeah. Um, so I suppose that's that's kind of what they were going for. But it, it certainly would have been nice to see, uh, like you say, yeah, some of the some of that getting used to all of the things that are different. Yeah, and, and how and how other people react to her and um, yeah, you know, just sort of like so, you know, I felt like somebody else are going like you you may, maybe you want some female, cl- you know, would would the doctor just instinctively go for? I mean, or or would or would she? Inst- I don't know. It just, it just felt like a lot of questions were sort of skipped over, which is of course, which is of course the the intention. And of the course, intention. I mean, even the at the the costume itself is avoiding is invo- avoiding controversy because yes. it's <laughs> it is. It's, it's a bit of a halfway. It's out, a gender it? gender neutral costume, yes, you know. Yes. Um, which before they announced the costume, I was very like, and I think this is just a some. This is a very specific perspective I obviously come from. Yeah. I'm looking at it as. Well, let's not let's not be embarrassed by femininity. Yeah, you know, let's. I I would like. I know that inevitably, when they do the black tie episode at some stage, yes, we're gonna get Jodie Whittaker in a tuxedo. Yeah, I would like Jodie Whittaker in a ball gown. Yeah, I think let's let you know if you're gonna go for it, go for it. And know, in and my view, and and may and maybe we will, maybe we will get that. I yes, know, and I kind yeah, of you know, and yeah. I hope we'll, I hope we'll get that. But uh-huh. I but I sort of feel like, you know. And, uh, and as you say, yes, I suppose the doctor does come with a sort of preformed personality, but sort of, um, I don't know, I, j- I just sort of feel like having, of course, but, and, you know, because obviously we know that Time Lords are sort of different internally, and uh, I don't think we've ever seen a pregnant Time Lord or Time Lord. We've seen a lot of Gallifreyan children, mm, but mm. sort of like, so we don't know. I mean, of course, you know, uh, if, if you were to believe I, Lung Barrow. Yeah, if you were to believe <laughs> Lung Barrow, they reproduce asexually yeah. and... Uh, <laughs> But, and yeah. I think sort of but if you believe um, the empty child, then they love a good time. Yes, so, yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> so I prefer personally to believe the empty child. I, um, I, I do as well. Yeah. I think. Um, no offense, Mark Platt, sorry. if you're listening. Yes, <laughs> I think. I, I, I think um, there was a sort. Of, yeah, I, I, I sort of. No, I'm not, not sort of there for the um, sort of. Yeah, no, no sex time lords. I sort of, I'm sort of more for the sort of sex positive time lords. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but but as for how, but as for how they actually um, just date and carry a child, and who knows, who knows who does that and where and where they are. Because I, yeah. I said, I don't think we've ever seen a pregnant no, Gallifrey. No, no, not as far as not in the not, not on the telly. Not on the as telly. Far as I'm aware. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that would have been that would be interesting. I don't I don't know if necessarily if it's the right way to go with the doctor i think it would be <laughs> no sorry i'm just wildly speculating yeah. now, but i'm just wondering about you know we, we obviously we know the doctor has two hearts and yeah. uh, you know obviously as you know jackie tyler says what else has he got two of so right so how is yeah how is her body changing yes yeah. is it yeah. how how different is her body inside we you know because um you know obviously the ninth doctor says to rose you look time lord and it's yeah. sort of like you yeah. know do do Time Lords... Ju- I mean, I think there's quite a lot of suggestion a lot of the time that Time Lords look like us, but actually inside, they're really wired completely differently. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. It's funny Funny with the... With the obviously, she, she changes instantly. He, you know, he, she changes instantly from, from Peter Capaldi, looking like Peter Capaldi, yeah. to looking like um, Jodie Whittaker. And my friend Emma Jones... Uh, wrote this amazing article on the Time Ladies blog about what that was like for her as a as a trans person, kind of watching that. And obviously, there's a sense of aspiration there. Yeah. But also a sense of, well, that's not fair. Yes. That's yes, not how course, it works. Yes. You know, you can't. Yes. Uh, people in the real world can't when they when they choose to uh, well choose is an interesting mm. word, but when they did uh, when they change their gender, it doesn't happen like that. And no, I think it, m- it might have been interesting to kind of 
you know, there are people that exist in the real world, uh, I, me mm. being one of them, yeah. that, that have been one gender and then uh, and now identify as the other one. And I think yeah, from experience, you know, it's it's not as if people just <laughs> treat you exactly the same way. No. But in, I mean, obviously in real life, there's the double bind of people know you're transgender as well. Yes. Whereas for the doctor, that's not an issue. Yes. So it's not it's not exactly the same, but there is an element there that is comparable, I think. I don't know. Yes, and um and I and I and I think it would have been and you know, and and, I, and again I think we can sort of see why some of these decisions were avoided, but I sort of feel like um sometimes fe- sometimes ruffling feathers is a good thing in drama because I sort Definitely. of feel like, you know, if um, other, although, of course, you know, as you're saying, you know, for, for for trans people watching, it must seem incredibly unfair. They're just like <laughs> once, you know, one second you look like Peter Capaldi, now you're just instantly, instantly Jodie Whittaker, that painless, painlessly <laughs> for free. Yeah. Uh, no, but al- also inspiring because mm. to me, my little head canon is yes. that it was a co- it was a conscious choice the yes. doctor made. That's yes. what I like to believe. I think I think um, so too. That you know, when when she says, "Oh, brilliant." You know, yes. I think she's. Ple- I think that's a specific response to her gender change. I don't know if it is. Yes. I don't and know I if Chris thought of it that way or. I, I think I think so. I thought I think he did, and I also sort of feel like the sort of Moffat was quite generously setting that up in his last um oh. in in his last episodes that sort of Amazingly. you know that that yeah. you know Peter Cavardi was coming to the end of the road and he wanted to sort of and so so he is a very it's a very it's it felt very very Phoenix rising from the ashes, um with that mm. and I think you know I think had for instance Bill still stayed around then it would have been more akin to the experience of a trans person because it would sort of because um you would have somebody who had known you as one gender and this and also knew you as the new gender and, and had to you get saw used how to that and they and the person had to get used to that and you saw i mean bill would of course take yeah. it in her stride but um but i think you know but i, but I can I, I can imagine that it would be something that um you would have to get right so as not yeah. to sort of be dis- feel dismissive or offensive to trans people and yeah, so yeah. maybe that's and again maybe that's a reason for the show to to steer away from it but then it could also be a reason to lean into it but d- you <laughs> know they've done that before they've yeah. done that with um clara and the 12th doctor True. it's to me that's a uh you can read that as like a transgender metaphor you know yeah he's, yeah he's standing there in the street and he's saying to her you're, you're looking at me but you're not seeing me and yes. that to me is like wow that's that's a, that's about being trans but i mean obviously Stephen Moffat's not sitting there thinking of it that way, but th- that is the same thing, really. It's somebody changing, and the p- and the people close closest to them are not ready for it. And yes. I think it's definitely, yeah. Th- there's definitely r- room for that, and also the Twelfth Doctor's whole story, to me, is about him shedding this hideous toxic masculinity that he has. Yeah. I don't know. And. Uh, it's, it is it is it is interesting because like yes the more I think about it I think that is that 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 is his whole his yeah. his his whole journey and he he um does bring in a load of sort of you know to- toxic masculinity and uh, and and um yeah it's um it's it's, it's very and it's, it's quite interesting that Stephen Moffat wrote that when you think about it well yeah because it's a uh, it's also Stephen unlearning his yeah uh, his bad tendencies I suppose as a writer yes. and as a person because <laughs> I d- like. You know, you think about Heaven Sent, where he's he doesn't want to he doesn't want to show his feelings about the fact that he's lost yes. Clara. So instead, he punches through a wall yes. of diamond <laughs> for a billion years. I mean, have you ever heard something more <laughs> like something that a, a middle-aged man would do yeah. than that? It's su- it's just such a perfect metaphor. Um, it is. I do like. I do love that episode yeah. actually. But uh, so, but it's interesting, of course. Um, his his um male time lord who regenerates in, into a woman um in hellbent um sort of says oh i'm 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 glad i, I i'm glad to get rid of all, all that, that ego, ego. Yeah. which is of interesting because of course Stephen moffat and i do know this because he's told me he thinks that he believes that men and women's brains are different and and work differently right and um you know and i think everyone will have different opinions about this but i think mm. um the thing is the doctor is the doctor is still i think about ego the doctor is still the doctor and uh, i sort of think it's a bit of a shame that i i don't know if women necessarily ha- don't have as much ego i think we're just sort of 
um, encouraged within the patriarchy to express it less forcefully. Yeah, and, and I, th- I, yeah, I think that's Stephen just playing with that, isn't yeah. he? And uh, and he's, I mean, he's written loads of female characters yes, with loads of ego. You know, you've got yes. someone like River Song and and even Clara. Uh, you know, they've got massive egos. <laughs> that's very that's very true. So I think um, you know, I just that the Doctor is incredibly egotistical, and um, yeah, it just it just sort of so happens that thirteen so far has sort of not really not really shown that. Anyway, it's just like, because usually there's, I mean, to be fair, she got nearest, I think, in revo- revolution, sorry, yeah, resolution, resolution. resolution. Sure. But, um, you know, the, the sort of, the big sort of um, barnstorming speech where, where he just basically like yells at people to get off the earth because it's protected mm, just mm. just because look at me look at me i'm so hard um i kind of <laughs> unfortunate choice of phrase there i think <laughs> but i think I, i'm looking forward to jody doing a really big one of those because every modern doctor has had at has least had has had one matt smith seemed to have them regularly yeah peter capaldi's yeah. had them david tennant's had them so yeah. i'm looking forward to one of those yeah, and we've, I felt like we were getting it in resolution yes. when she approached the Dalek, and I'm like, oh, wow, we're going to get the yeah. big Jodie yes. moment. <laughs> and we didn't, really. Uh, but we got, did get an equivalent in It Takes You Away, the, the, the best episode of, of Series 11, yeah. where <laughs> she talks to the frog, but it's a very compassionate version yes. of it. Yes. So, I don't know. I'm not going to say anything about that. Is no. that <laughs> <laughs> does that play into what we're talking about? Is that a, is it a female version of that? I think I think it is, and I and it's and it, and it's funny because you know, but I uh, I sort of argue, does there need to be female versions? Oh, is it time? It's time, and I've got your show on my screen actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna we're, go, we're we'll return to that in a minute, um, but we we're just gonna stop and watch the trailer. There she is in the tux, tux <laughs> just like you said. <laughs> oh, Stephen Fry. Oh, Cyberman. Scary Cyberman. Oh, no, what's happened to Yaz? Oh, no date. (laughs) (laughs) No date. (laughs) Wow, great. Well, the the rumor is that it will continue. Well, aren't we sort of pretty much confirmed on a New Year's Day special? I think pretty much. Yeah. And then the rumor is that it'll continue very soon after that. Yeah, let's hope so. But that's that's what the rumor was. Wow, that was a a exciting trailer. I'm really, I was really buzzed by that. Actually, I'm I'm really sort of, I felt like like we were getting some emotion from the Doctor. It looks like the Doctor is back at the center of the story. She said something's coming for me. And, uh, you know, with the implication, it's something personal. Uh And then Graham was talking about family, but there's sort of just about the way it's juxtaposed sort of teases. Is it something to do with the Doctor's family? But anyway, the Doctor was getting angry and emotional and scared. And I have to say, I was quite... It's funny because it's not very not very female empowering, but I was actually quite pleased to see her looking scared because actually, again, when I think about it, all the modern doctors have had many moments of seeming really of getting really scared, yeah, you know, yeah, in their first yeah, season. Yeah. And I never really felt in season eleven that the thirteenth she t- seemed to take things in her stride a little bit. She never seemed truly truly terrified until she saw the the Dalek. Until she saw the Dalek, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was such that an exciting look, that trailer. Yeah, it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be watching it again <laughs> later in the day. Um probably more than more than once. I like the pop music as well. Um, yeah. I like I like pop music on trailers. Um was that was that was that Lenny Henry shooting from a car? Yeah, there, yeah, looking, we had I think they're cool. in this we know they're in the yes. first episode, don't yes. they? We Stephen Fry and, and um and Lenny Henry. And we also know I think um Robert Glenister. Oh yes, it? yes, is he's in, coming. Is coming back, sort of, yeah. from, uh, from Caves of Anjazani, um, presumably in a, in a new role, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe not. Real, maybe not. Real fans. <laughs> <laughs> wow, cool. But that was no. That that was that was looking extremely exciting and you know dr- dramatic in a good way and sort of like you know these are. Um, it looked as if it's sort of like obviously these are exciting events we're going to show you some of our sort of you know things we spent money on monsters um bases and things but also it looked like 
these are adventures that are going to have emotional consequences for the characters, definitely, which definitely. is what I like to see in a trailer. Yeah, and it was and it was really fast cut as well. Really, so fast I feel cut. very sorry for all those boys in their bedrooms right now making things you missed in the Doctor <laughs> Who trailer <laughs> YouTube videos. Um, you know, slowing it down to 0.2 <laughs> speed and. Uh, Good luck, everybody. Uh, yes. All your assumptions are going to be wrong. So uh, your we'll be checking up nothing. on you over the next week, seeing how you're doing. Yeah. There's a there's a, a, a thumbnail here of the regenerations oh video yeah. that um, Luke's uploaded this morning, mm. and uh, you can see you can it really highlights the fact that she's got um, eye makeup on her eyes. Yeah. And I love I love the fact that. As soon as it's that thing, isn't it? Ready made. As soon as she's regenerated, there she is with perfect <laughs> mascara. It's like yes. I, I absolutely love that. I do. I have to. I have to say, when I when I saw um, some of the recent publicity images that had been released, I was just sort of. And I never think this. I mm, I think mm. I tweeted recently about how much I hate wearing makeup. But I just looked at her face and I thought, I want someone to do my makeup like Jodie. So I sort of. I never have makeup envy. I'm not that yeah. sort of person. But I just thought, oh my god, I want. I want to sort of try that. It looked. Her makeup is amazing. Yeah, yeah. The doctor must do her makeup in the TARDIS, I suppose. She must have a <laughs> little dress in that for doing that. <laughs> See, this is this is what the the haters dreaded most of all. Yeah, the, the, this is the conversation we'd be <laughs> yeah. having. Yeah. It's women going on about how much they love Jodie's makeup. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> Sorry, not my doctor is. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. I yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pour over that any longer. Well, I am. I am. Of course, just just of course. Uh, just not now. Where were we? Um, been completely taken out of things. We could we could we could move on to your fat companions thing. Oh yeah, I just Let's I talk about that. Yeah, well, I I just sort of feel that um, you know, we've obviously my friend. Sorry, my oh. friend Beth tweeted about this. Oh, did she? Uh, about two months ago, and. There was a tidal wave of hate. <laughs> I, as a I expected there would be. I yeah. mean, this would be a thoroughly unpopular opinion. But then it's sort of, you know, I think the sort of ob obviously sort of the legacy of the sort of the the who girl, aka something for the dads. I sort sure, of think sure. you know, there's been this as assumption that you know there needs to be, and you know, you know, and I think um, Catherine Tate, who's who's certainly not fat or unattractive, I think. But she's she the one people bring up. She <laughs> she got she got quite a backlash because she was announced because she wasn't as mo as model beautiful yeah. as um Karen yeah. sorry Karen Gillan wasn't there but, but as um Freema Agumon and um and Billy, and Billy Piper, Piper yeah. you know and um you know just because she you know dared to be in her what mid thirties <laughs> but of course you know you've actually got a you've got a very attractive female doctor now and uh, and mm, I think mm. um yeah, I just sort of think. Why do the why do the companions necessarily have to look like models? And it's quite funny when John Hurt, um, the war doctor, sort of arrived and sort of thought thought those two sort of handsome young men were his companions because yeah, <laughs> that would have because yeah. you know, that would have that would have been the role of a handsome young man in the past. But yeah, it's sort of like if the doctor is a handsome young man or woman, um, does his companion need to be eye candy anymore? And you know. And I m maybe they'll get complaints from the model makers, you know, use too much plastic. But I think, but I think it's sort of, you know, it's 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 a form of diversity. And I think, um, I think there's still there is still a tendency, and I'm thinking of of fat characters we've seen, for them to be a bit of comic, comic relief. relief. Yeah, you're um, so right. You know, I'm trying I'm trying to think of uh, obviously. I'm sort thinking of Voyage of the Damned. I was, I yeah. was thinking Voyage of the Damned. I mean, yeah. Deb Debbie Chase and love her. What an actress! But mm. you know, Foon the Companion. You know, that sure. would have been a diff you know, different thing to see. You know, because actually, you know, I say the comic relief, and they were sort of, you know, they were fondly presented, and you mm. felt very sad when they died. But sort of, you know. Fat people are real complex beings with with emotions and and interior worlds and lives just as real as as the thin. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. I th I think actually that, and this is not a, a slight at Russell T Davies, but mm. the 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 RTD era in general is quite down on on people who aren't slim, right? Yeah, I think I think but so, I, and I and of course he's not the time. he is not particularly slim himself. No. So, uh, <laughs> so I think it's just a usual form of self hatred, of self deprecation, <laughs> perhaps. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, even like partners in crime is is like silly, isn't it? Yes, it's like, and it's yes. all about weight loss, and maybe that's a critique of of yeah. um, fad diets and and like yes. weight loss pills and stuff. I don't know. But I think I, th I mean I think all sorts of sort of you know, and of course you know we've no never as far as. Never sort of in the TV, so you know, have it had a disabled companion or sort of thing, you know, all sorts. No, of, not really. You know, or or perhaps some, um, you know, a companion with a with with a, with a birthmark or a sort of you know a, a, a different face, you know, somebody with sure. a, a condition. You know, I think there are, 
I think there are all sorts of um We've never had one that even that wears glasses, have we? <laughs> You're right. Nardole. Although Nardole's an interesting oh one. Oh, yes, so it's actually, if we're talking about Snowboy coming, yes, there yeah. is Nardole, but he's but not human. And, but, and also, he's a man. And, and no one was man. saying any, no one was going like, oh, Matt Lucas is too fat to be a Doctor Who companion. And the reason they weren't saying that was because he was a man. I think, I think that's yeah. a really good point. And I think also, you know, we know, we know he's an alien, so he may be the perfect physical specimen, the physical specimen of his species, of mm, course. Mm. But, um, yes, I suppose so. But yes, but, but it's true. I think they went, and I think also, of course, it's Matt Lucas and, uh, you know, but then, it, but uh -huh. then I guess we sort of get to sort of the difference between sort of, you know, loud men and loud women, and sort of, you know, and and um, Catherine Tate. Although, I think watching the Donna season, which I just thought was brilliantly written, um, it turned a lot of. I think, I think Russell T Davis knew he was going to get haters, and he turned them around on the Catherine Tate character. Oh my word! And, I, and I'm certainly it? not. By the way, I'm certainly not including her as a fat companion because she most definitely was not that. But just no. as a companion that got an initial bad reaction as compared to I think Matt Lucas got a much more positive reaction although I suppose yeah. he got some share of haters too I think he did and I, I think part of that was also for me actually was to do with the fact that Catherine Tate had been such a such a success yeah kind of, we now trusted Doctor Who more to, to kind yes. of, okay well I, Catherine Tate it was fine so I'm sure it's like Bradley Walsh now mm. it's like yeah. well Catherine Tate was fine Matt Lucas was fine I'm sure Bradley Walsh yes. would be brilliant you know and he was um so yeah, the disabled one is interesting because I mean I think Chris was trying to gesture to that a bit with making yes, Ryan that's have true. dyspraxia. Yes, but um, I mean I I can confirm that if you were dyspraxic, it plays into it would play into a, an action scenario far more than it it kind of has it does, over the yes. last season. There's like a couple of gestures to it. I think mm. um, when he's sliding down the tube in Kablam, maybe he mentions it. Yes, he does. Yes, oh, but I actually think that's kind of weird when he's able to he's able to do all the shooting, isn't he? In uh, in the Ghost Monument, pretty that's pretty true. successfully. And he and he mentions the PlayStation, but um, yeah, I don't know. I did that. That's almost a gesture to it, isn't it? Without having to really go the full hock. Yes, I, I think, and I think it's um, you know, I think it's admirable that um, you know, and for uh, for I'm sure like for a lot of dyspraxic people, that would be good to. To have that representation, even if it, it even if his dyspraxia comes and goes, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I think sort of, um, you know, perhaps some you know some somebody with um, to, you know, say a facial condition which makes them look very different, and it's always there, mm. would be mm. uh, you know, so so that they are not necessarily beautiful in the conventional sense. I sort of think, you know, that that's the sort of companion I sort of see with probably not going to get for quite a long time but maybe you know i could be wrong but yeah um, and i mean doctor who's a show about the outsider in a way so yeah. it's almost a, an ideal space for that kind of that kind of person and it's a long time since we've had an alien companion and, true, I, and I sort of think and of, and of course they had you know there were sort of interesting things in the comic strip with um izzy um mm. uh, but um but i think i think that's the sort of thing that you I, I think just very pragmatically you probably couldn't have a companion um playing an alien with very complex makeup because of because of shooting schedules there there again they manage it on um shows like star trek but then perhaps they've got more I time i think they've got more time and money maybe yeah. on, on on star trek but y you could do something like um when you think about the klingons or the or the cardassians yeah. on on star trek that mm. have the just the ridged foreheads or whatever yeah you could have some some small thing like that that made yeah. them look alien or even um people always talk about chameleon and yeah. how it was a bit of a wasted opportunity because you could just have a character like that who was um a shapeshifter but was just most of the time in human form bring back chameleon yeah. that could be well i don't know if that's that's probably not not unpopular enough to be our <laughs> that's <laughs> probably like that's just a great idea yes no i but think i think he, I mean, he was a waste opportunity yeah. and, and he you know, he could be anything every you know? few episodes he could yeah. transform and then most of the time it's yes. just played by a person and, yes. that, and <laughs> you know you've got that there without having to actually spend loads of money and, mm. and time on it you know I don't know. Yeah, no, I think I think I think that would be an interesting thing to do. And yeah, I think there's a character in the Orville that sort of you know just th they have a few characters who are just sort of very slightly different, like they've got sort of slightly different ears and things. And yeah, you know, I mean a Vulcan you know. actually. Yeah, with I the, have a Vulcan. the pointy ears. <laughs> it takes like th probably 15 minutes to put those on uh, Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. So yeah, why not? Why not have a Vulcan and the TARDIS? <laughs> but or some you know or something similar. Um, I think people worry, don't they, that alien companions. Uh, alienate the audience but i don't know whether that i think we're, i think we've had 
12 seasons now. Like. Yeah, you see, I think that could be another unpopular opinion. Why not Why not an alien companion? Um, bring back Romana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from, my, from my early childhood there. But yeah, I think um, I, I, that, that would be another unpopular opinion. I think, why, why, why not have an alien companion? Because I sort of feel like we've, we've travelled with the Doctor for, for so long now. We're sort of used to to them as mm, a protagonist. Mm, mm. Um, and they don't have to be the only companion. No, you can still but have it, but exactly. We've got, we've got, yeah. we've got, this is the thing, we've got three companions at the moment. Mm, so mm. you sort of think, you know... All of them are from Sheffield. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but only one of them sounds like they're from Sheffield. Yeah. <laughs> even though two of them are supposed to sound like they're from Sheffield. <laughs> Sorry, Tosin. Sorry, I know I give you a hard time, mate. Your accent's just not very good. I hope you've, I hope you've been doing your homework Um in the meantime, and it, and it improves in series twelve. I'll be, I'll be, be <laughs> <laughs> I'll be keeping an eye out for his accent now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something as a northerner that of you, course, that you yes. really notice, isn't it? Great. Yeah. No. Thank you. It's um, it's so great to speak to you. Where can people find you on Twitter? Um, I always do this. Emma Jane at, at Emma Jane Reeves at hotmail dot com. And um, please watch the Demon Headmaster. It's <laughs> yes, no, plug, <laughs> every plug, plug, Monday plug, plug. on iPlayer CB. How many CBC. more episodes have we right, got? We've to got go. episode seven on. This this Monday coming, um, and then we've got three more after that. So we've got ten episodes all together, and um, we are nagging the BBC constantly to make sure that all the episodes remain on iPlayer till the end, so you can right, watch right. the entire ten part arc in its in its spooky glory. And the other writers, you've got Joe Lidster's just we written We have got one, right? Joe Lidster's just written a brilliant episode. Great. Um, Lucy Moore and um, Andrew Burrell are the other writers. Fantastic. And they're, all, they're all great. Great. Exciting. Um, I'm going to watch the rest of them, definitely. Because the first one hooked me. <laughs> and the, the the girls I live with came in there, well, what are you watching? Like, children's television. They're like, why? <laughs> like, it's great. Shut up. Um, cool. Uh, thank you so much for talking to me. You can find uh, us on Twitter, as, as usual, at Galatiopod. And you can email us at galatiopod at gmail.com.